0: House
1: of
0: Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, now. Running. Running hills, running hills, coming
1: on, hills, coming on. I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold and unity. What can I say? I got beat by zebra. Starts now.
2: Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Jason. At gmail.com is our email address. We're on Twitter, at House of Run, 202-495-1137 is a voicemail line, or you can drop us a voice memo with our email address on today's show. We're going to recap a thrilling NCAA championship meet as expected. We're going to talk about a matchup we did not anticipate at the Chicago Marathon. We're also going to discuss Juan Carlos Echevarria almost jumping out of the pit in Stockholm. Jason, this is a... Loaded show. Excited to be with you, as always.
0: Yeah, this is this is awesome. Um I mean you were at NCAA's, which had to be I mean, we knew it was a good meet going in. I think it, it delivered on that uh on that hype. And uh, you know, you gotta see you gotta see Hayward one last time.
2: I may or may not have spent the weekend texting pictures of Hayward to Jason <laughs> where there was one nail sitting out and
0: saying, Tear it all down. It's
2: <laughs> irreparable damage.
0: Structurally unsound. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'll save all that for the end of the show Yeah, because I feel like at this point people know where I stand on that issue. People know where you stand. It was a very sad weekend for me. The meet was great. It was pouring down rain, but it was a a spectacular meet and I was glad I was there to witness the performances. But I mentioned to you in text, it was kind of like – the last day was kind of like going to your – High school graduation, if you really liked the people you went to high school with, (laughs) and if you were never going to see them again, like there was just sort of that finality to it all, and you felt like you maybe didn't appreciate it as much as you should have, and you know how graduations kind of sneak up on you? You're counting down the days. You're checking off the boxes or scratching out the days in your trapper keeper, Yep. and then one day, all of a sudden... Like, it's there. And then you have to come to grips with the finality of it all. And just as I said, I would not discuss this at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Here I go. So we will not talk about that. Where do you want to – where do you want to begin? I guess from afar, Jason, what was the biggest story for you? We also can revisit the the draft results uh, at a certain point because I think I kept it closer than expected against you. But let's just – I'm curious, you watching uh, not in the – morose hayward field what what did you think was the the top storyline coming out of the meet
0: yeah there was obviously a lot um i mean i guess the first thing and, and i'm trying not to be biased that was my first overall pick but it it delivered in every possible way uh norman running 43.61. uh you know i thought okay he has an outside shot of you know breaking curly's record and uh and that just 400 is loaded so let's see like what happens and yeah it delivered basically on everything you would have wanted
2: two guys under 4 44 yeah
0: in that which
2: i, I guess we should have been accustomed to because we thought somebody was going to go under 44 we thought the winner was going to go 44 and i thought the winner was going to be michael norman i did not think he was going to run 4361 the 11th <laughs> fastest time Ever Jace and Akeem Bloomfield, to his credit from Auburn, forty-three ninety-four, ran the race of his life and lost by three tenths of a second to to Norman, who is running. I think we've brought up this comparison before. I mean, he's running the four hundred the way early Andrew Weeding ran the fifteen hundred and the eight hundred. Yeah. Just gallop galloping down the home stretch without a care in the world, making it look so. So, so simple, by virtue of just I guess, in part because of how he's physically built, this tall guy, but also just a complete monster monster talent. how did you how did you see the race in, in general? any doubts for you in any part of that race that norman wouldn't would win?
0: no, uh I, I, yeah, I felt pretty pretty confident. Um, I mean, he was leading you know, coming off the final turn, and not drastically so. Um, you know, just a a smally and just closed. He closed. He's just, yeah. So strong that he just doesn't, he doesn't falter down that final stretch, which in the 400 is just so hard not to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, he, I mean, 43, six, it's, it's not even like, oh, he's going to be amazing. Like he's already amazing. Um, you know, there's, there's one guy in the world, uh, who got injured playing soccer who you can for sure say is better than Michael Norman and out, was it rugby or soccer? Well oh, was it rugby? No, I can't even remember. Um uh, yeah. he got I tried injured. to black it out from my from my <laughs> memories. Um but outside of that, um, you know, I mean I guess you know, he I guess you throw Curly on the list, you you know Karani James is the biggest enigma in the world. Uh mm-hmm. LaShawn Merritt, I don't think quite has forty three six in his legs anymore. I I could be wrong on that. Um so he's right there. Um yeah, Bloomfield, you know, breaks forty four. I mean, Nathan Allen forty four one is going to win you NCAA's most years. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, and you finish third. I, I mean, I don't know what else you are supposed to do there. Um, but it, it's, I mean, this was just a, like I said, a loaded field where it just absolutely uh, delivered. <clears throat> the one guy who made the world championships last year finished last. So you know, just how you draw it up.
2: That's incredible. I, other than Dwight Saint-Hilaire, who scratched the meat. Everybody got to the final who you thought was going to get to the final. Mm-hmm. And and as long as the weather somewhat held up, you knew something was going to be fast. And that was on Friday. The It was raining, but it wasn't the monsoon that occurred on Saturday for the women's final. So they got pretty good. Well, I don't say, want to say pretty good, but they got decent weather for that race. And Norman is just, yeah, I mean, it's him and Van Niekerk at this point. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's going to be those two. I think it's a certain point You know, we'll we'll know pretty soon, like, whether or not when Van Nieker comes back for the injury, we'll know if he's still a low 43 guy or if he's, you know, t- taking a step backwards. But this is – I mean, the time is now for Norman. He declared himself eligible for the track and field draft after the, uh, the day I- – the day after his 400, so that Saturday when the women's competition was wrapping up. And it, and it makes sense because you look at when quarter milers peak, it's right around now. So it it kind of is unfortunate this is a non-championship year. But I think 19 and 20, we're going to be talking a ton about Michael Norman. And in that meet, he I mean, it wasn't just the 400, right? It was the, the 4x4 too. Yeah. Where USC broke another record this year. Not the world record this time, thankfully we didn't have that controversy, but 259 flat in there to to win the race and to to smash the collegiate record. Um which was one of my picks by the way. Uh and then the other Trojan on that 4x4 team who just had an insane I mean Rye Benjamin I I get that you're leading with Norman because we hyped that up going in. Yeah. But Rye Benjamin tied Edwin Moses <laughs> yeah. for the number two performance all time. He went from 47.98 to 47.02 in a week. And I know I've been pumping up the 200 and you've been pumping up the 200. I think this year, between McLaughlin and Benjamin and what happened last year with the depth in the women's side in the United States, we might be looking at a bona fide. Non facetious year of the four hundred hurdles, Jason.
0: Yeah, and it's in an off year, so it's perfect. Like it just makes <laughs> the most sense in the world. <clears throat> but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the the, I'm the all in the four hundred hurdles, hurdles is in. loaded. I mean, it's it's the, the young talent. Obviously, you said Benjamin, second fastest time ever. Uh, he outshadowed you know chill out Sydney. Like I mean, that's hard mm-hmm. to do. Um, you know, he's he's not quite as young, but he's still very young, and and, and ran that time so. Yeah, the 400 it, it absolutely uh you know he he went pro as well, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did. Which I mean, both those guys it's kind of no once once you're like among you're, you're the best or second best in the world, you should probably just go pro at that point. At least that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think. Um so, yeah, I just you're absolutely right. The 400 hurdles has become, you know, appointment viewing.
2: 47 Oh, two. I mean, tied with Edwin Moses. Edwin Moses. That's a name. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's that's a sign that you are among the best of all time. And you know, Kevin Young's world record. He's the only guy to break forty-seven. But that was one of those records where you thought, oh, there's that's like a generation away. Like something is gonna have to ha- have to happen with like they're gonna have to get the four percent shoes, but for four hundred hurdles <laughs> right. for for that to be broken. I mean, the mark was just so far out there and you'd think oh Benjamin can can still improve. When I talked to him after the race, he mentioned his his step pattern, is he's still not entirely comfortable with it. Like there's definitely room um for him to to develop and, and get better at. And he's staying at USC to finish his degree, stick with the same coaches, which I mean why would you switch up at this point? yeah it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Unfortunately he's caught up in that IAAF freeze on transfers of allegiance, because in 2013 and 2015, he competed for Antigua and Barbuda as a teenager, and he's born in the United States, U.S. citizen, obviously, but the transfer paperwork didn't uh, hasn't been processed, so now he's kind of a man without a country in the same way that Ed- Edward Cesaric is, so um, we'll see what happens with that. I guess this is a good year to have that issue. Yeah. I mean, it's never a good year to have the issue, but... You know, nineteen and twenty—that would be really rough to have to to sit out a a, a championship. Um, and the four hurdles is good beyond. I mean, for the men, this dude Abdurrahman Samba of Qatar mm-hmm. is like dropping, like he's breaking his own Diamond League record every week. Right? He's down to forty-seven, forty-one, and Carson Warholm is playing the role of Francine Saba to Samba's <laughs> Caster Semenya and getting second. Every single week, but he's he's forty-seven, eight, and and you said before any other year for Nathan Allen at the NCAA championships, any other year Carson Warhol, <laughs> right. like he's just racking up the Diamond League points, and now he's getting beat on a weekly basis uh, by Samba, and then there's this other guy in the United States, Ry Benjamin, who's running almost a second faster than him. I'm, I I hope Benjamin has a chance to go run some Diamond Leagues because that would be. I mean, for as much joking as we've made about the foreign hurdles and how they have put it at the beginning of the meet, because people always overlook it, it would be the best. Like if you lined up Samba, Benjamin, and Warholm right now, in most diamond leagues, that's one of the best events you're going to watch in the entire program.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah. There, there's there's a very short list of of matchups you want to see before that. I, I mean, it's yeah. I really hope you're right. Like he does that, and with you know, there's no. There'll be US championships, which none of them are a part of anyway. Um, but that's really, you know, there's no other big meets besides just Diamond League. So mm-hmm. hopefully we do get that. He's, you know, he's going pro. So there, there doesn't seem to be anything standing in the way of it. Um, yeah. So hopefully that's something that actually, you know, ends up happening.
2: Let's stick with Four Hurdles. You mentioned Sydney. She ran 53, which. Yawn. I think uh, well so when I forg I I forgot what the announcer said when she finished. But it was something like, Well, that's not a record. Or that's (laughs) not it wasn't her best time or something like that. But he's like, It's the seventh fastest collegiate mark of all I mean it was something still crazy, but she had run, you know, twice two times this year faster or whatever. I mean, just a complete complete demolition of the rest of the field. But the weather was Had degraded to the point. Yeah, that that Saturday, Aaliyah Hobbs, who won the hundred, said she was like running blind. Like it was raining so hard, she couldn't really even see. And I think vision is important in a foreign hurdle (laughs) race.
0: Seems like it would be.
2: Large pools of water are also difficult. I mean, think of
0: their shins. I mean, like that had to be a second (laughs) plus right there.
2: Kennedy McKele would not (laughs) have done well at Hayward on Saturday, but she announced she's going pro again. So first three athletes we mentioned, all going pro. Not much of a surprise. I guess still though, when a when a freshman is that good and they make that announcement, it, it it's noteworthy. Um and Kentucky's coach, Edric Florial, took their Texas job, which means that whole group I was at the press conference today, he said Sydney's gonna join that group, so they're all coming out here. Uh, to austin Mm. where it is 900 degrees (laughs) a lot of the year (laughs) so it is not is not well it does rain here but uh, nothing like eugene so i don't like i don't know what we take from the sydney race other than even when she's not near her best she's still so much better than everybody else which completely validates the decision to go pro
0: yeah she won by almost two seconds um She, like I said, the weather was was terrible, so you know, I jokingly yawned about it. Um, But yeah, she, I mean, she set she set those standards so high too that yeah, when she doesn't set some sort of record, it's weird. Um, So, but you, you, like I said, the the result, uh, the uh, conditions didn't really apply to that. But I think absolutely makes sense for her to go pro. Um, I get, you know, she's she's super young, but it's just she's already at that level. Uh, you have next, you know, going into next year. All of a sudden, now you have world championship year, and you don't necessarily want to get caught up in a college schedule while you're trying mm-hmm. to win the gold medal, which I sure and and possibly set the world record. Like those are her um, running goals, I'm assuming. So it just yeah. it just makes the most sense.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think I think the year was good for her because obviously it didn't inhibit her ability to run fast and it probably would have been tough if she went pro right out of high school. Like She would have been jumping in. I mean, her schedule would have been Diamond League here, Diamond League there, which I think would have been a little bit difficult to handle. And also she would have been running in races where she still would have been winning by a large amount. It wouldn't have been like Mary Kane where she could run some races in the United States and still get good competition. She would have had to have raced like a robot or something like that that was – created specifically to run for a meter hurdle like there's no there was no competition for her like, regardless of of where she went so at least with this she got to um i guess live live a normal uh, teenage life for at least a year and now now things will be interesting because not only is she going pro but she's going to be moving across the country um there were two viral moments in the meet, Jason. Mm. The first one that USC 4x4 yeah that for the women
0: bonkers that was awesome
2: I'm sure I'm sure everybody's seen it USC trying to get Jason's attention on the team score and hey
0: they did that that's how you do it
2: <laughs> needed there was a strange set of events that uh, occurred before the 4x4 that put them in that position and I'm sure People probably heard this before, but because it looked like Stanford was, was clear. There were three events left, three events to be scored, I believe. Women's discus, women's 5,000, and women's 4x4. Stanford did not have a women's 4x4. Neither did Georgia, the other team involved. And in a blink of an eye, in the last round, Stanford's discus thrower went from first to third, which lost them four points and then it looked like their 5000 meter runner could potentially contend for the win if not get second and she went on that last what was it 150 meters or so she went from um well she just sli- slipped back to fourth yeah so which was you know five points there so potentially losing three points so that put stanford behind georgia Entering the 4x4, which meant they couldn't win because neither team had a 4x4. And USC was 10 points back, or sorry, nine points back of Georgia. So they were in the exact same situation they were in the year before. Mm-hmm. Georgia was, meaning they needed to root against the team running in the 4x4 in order to win the meet. Except last year, the team they had to root against was Oregon, so they're rooting for USC. This year, <laughs> USC. There was the USC was the team they were rooting against, so they were rooting for anybody but USC to win. And USC and Purdue, probably the top two seeds. You know, Kentucky with Sydney out there, you thought maybe they could contend, but Purdue had a good lead. They stacked their first two legs. They put their first two, their best two runners first. USC. Uh Deanna Hill ran a really good third leg to like bring them back into contention, but then the handoff from her to Ellis went went horribly awry, and they were way far down. And it was Ellis versus Janae Mitchell of Purdue on the anchor. And Ellis got the baton and immediately past Kentucky on the inside, which is what <laughs> she did to Raven Rogers the year before, like in the exact same spot. I mean, there were so many really eerie moments that that really harkened back to 2017 here. And with 100 to go, it didn't look like USC was going to be able to win. No chance.
0: Like, literally and, no chance.
2: <laughs> and Ellis catches her on the last stride, and I was lucky enough to be in the West Grandstand, the top of the West Grandstand. You know those seats very well. Yep. It was loud. And the f- home fans, you know, there's people from other schools obviously there, but a lot of those people there are pulling for Oregon they were screaming their heads off for USC because they (laughs) wanted to see something cool. It was an amazing moment and it got so loud those last 50 meters. And then it got even louder when they put the times up on the board. I mean, she passed Mitchell on that final stride and I went back and watched the race a ton of times. And I particularly went back and watched it once I saw it circulating in the mainstream media about how this was like a choke by, by Purdue. And I, I looked up all the splits and you know, Mitchell's, Mitchell split 52 low. Ellis split like 50, was it 50 or 3? That sounds right. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 50 something. And I and I think I mean, obviously, it's not a choke because you're running against Kendall Ellis, and the way Purdue stacked their team, there's really nothing you could do. Mitchell did run like a half second faster at prelims, but in general, it's not like she was expected to go split a 50 low out there. Like that's what the first two women did on their relay, and that's why they were in the lead. But I think what made it look obvious it made it look way more dramatic than it needed to be was first the bobble of the baton. Mm-hmm. And two, the way those two women ran their anchor, Mitchell was probably what, a second and a half ahead with a hundred to go? Maybe
0: two. It was it was where, you know, watching it, I just was like, Oh, this is over. And I think even the announcer when I was watching it, like was like, This is over. Like you can't. Yeah. And then it's just it's still just as you're watching her, so like there's just not enough space left. like she's clearly no. closing, but like she just doesn't have enough track to get her and yeah, I mean, obviously wrong. I mean, add that to the long list, but it was just that was incredible,
2: yeah, so I think if it was a more evenly paced race, the gap obviously wouldn't have looked <clears throat> as large mm-hmm. with a hundred to go, and she would have you know cruised past her in the end, but it just was built for maximum drama and maximum tension. And, I mean, kudos to Kendall Ellis. Last year had it happen to her. This year turns the table and does it to to clinch the, t- the team title. I mean, what did you think of the takes? How bad were the takes?
0: Well, yeah, the, the choking thing is stupid. Like, I mean, it's... First of all, I mean, it's it's so much harder to be in the lead in that scenario. Especially when you know you have Kendall Ellis coming up behind... like. So you're getting the baton with the lead and you know the person behind you is faster than you. Like that's what you know and that's the worst scenario to be in. So mm-hmm. you know, she I don't think she went out like crazy fast or anything like that, but she, you know, you go out try to basically close it out and it looks like you do, um but you're just going against someone who's better. Like I I don't know how you can joke when you can't literally like even see the person who ends up beating yeah. you until the last stride. Like it's it's just got beat by a better, better runner. I, I mean, personally, I, I have always hated the stacking your your best runners up first because I yeah. never want to give the other team someone to chase. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how you know how you're going to get like a 47 split from Allison Felix. You're not going to run her first, yeah. and she's going to run 47. Like that's not going to happen. You're going to get get her behind, and then she's going yeah. to do something insane. And that I think that's how you do the best thing. So I mean, for me, I you know, and I'm sure there's, there's, maybe there's studies or something that, that I'm completely wrong. Um, relays, I always go slowest to fastest. Just, I will start off with my slowest runner and I know handoffs can be a pain in the ass or whatever, but I still want my faster runners chasing people down and passing people.
2: Well, for Ellis, I mean, it would have been tough because I think they would have gotten the, if they all ran the same splits, right? They would have gotten the baton ahead, right? Because Ellis was going to split faster than everybody else. So even if you put Mitchell first or, you know, even second, that's tough. And, again, you tip your hat to Mitchell because earlier in the meet – or, sorry, to, to Ellis, she didn't win the 400 earlier in the meet. Yeah. I mean, she got, she got beat by Lena Irby who
0: – 49.8 in that weather too.
2: <laughs> freshman who ran 49.8 and Ellis, you know, just got straight up beat. By her and then and then is able to re- rebound and come back and pull that off was was remarkable and just the perfect I mean just the perfect ending to that meet and to a track meet in general and I mean it was cool to see it get traction obviously with that traction comes people weighing in a la Shauna Miller's controversial <laughs> dive <laughs> the other so the other viral moment was was the men's steeple with Brian Barraza. yeah and he was leading, 300 meters to go. Hit hit a barrier in a way I've never seen someone hit a barrier. I mean, really. Like, I've never seen... So, he stutters going in, catches his feet on it going up, and that leaves him in the prone... Like, he's just flat. It's like he's doing a belly flop. Right. Straight down on the track. Yeah. gets up and is completely shook, as he should be. And, you know, Houston was in the team race, so... They wouldn't have even with the ten points. They would not have of won, which I was happy for because it's like you don't want to lose, you know that way. And um, tries to scramble to his feet to get back, but obviously just took him completely out of it. I was doing an interview in the mixo when this happened, and just people just screaming, "Whoa!" Just expletive, <laughs> expletive, expletive. Like I had to stop the interview and like turn around and like look to see what was going on. I mean, it was so so momentous um and this kid obsah lee of minnesota completely stunned he did the shocked face emoji at the first, <laughs> like the actual <laughs> right. like he embodied the emo- like he couldn't believe it he couldn't believe it
0: yeah it's and that's i mean that's the steeple like kind of in a nutshell basically it's mm-hmm. just that i mean we've seen it happen to the best i mean we saw it to nevin Jager. um maybe not the mm-hmm. exact same way but tripping over a bit like that's just super common um I mean, it's not like they set the at the wrong height or something like that. I mean, they save that for <laughs> they save that for diamond leagues, diamond league meets. <laughs> yeah, always what something with the steeple that? chase, no matter what. If it's if it's the runner's fault or if it's the setup, whatever it is. Oh,
2: oh well. So I was at the Portland Track Festival. Oh, that's right. On Sunday, and I witnessed my thir- first 32 by 50. Uh, but they forgot to put the first barrier on the track for the steeple. Oh my god! Luckily. They got them to stop the race and then re- restarted it. So it ended up just being like a 250 meter stride out. Mm, okay. But people kept going, and some of the people in the back of the park were like, stop, stop, because then the whole race is invalidated. Like you're going to run the entire thing for no reason if you don't stop it and restart it. Right. And then they wheeled the wheeled the barrier back on. Not as, I mean, the thing in Oslo was just comically bad because then they couldn't <laughs> get it fixed. So they put, whether it was like slanted,
0: yeah, right. And then, and then I mean, <laughs> Emma Coburn's literally just like wait, like hey, fix this. Like the fact that she has to alert everybody, and and like I love that she was just like took over, like yeah. hey guys, like this, we're this is a professional meet. Um, yeah, so bad.
2: But then they had it slanted, so then they put the spot that was too high. Right, they put it like off the track so people wouldn't jump on it. <sighs> so it was only like half of a barrier to jump so over.
0: Terrible. Oh, uh, I don't know how you do. It. I mean, that's so bad. It's just like
2: compounding. It's like compounding stupid decisions. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this will make it better. This will make it better. Uh, back to NCAAs, though. Yeah. So so Barraza probably was the favorite. I mean, Ali had the fastest qualifying time coming in on the year, but Barraza had the fastest PR. So if if you were to consider him the favorite, every single men's distance race was an upset. Men's 10,000.
0: that was Ben Flanagan that was another shocked emoji face.
2: yeah Ben Flanagan wins it. uh by the way, I saw him and Ali at big tens and they were just like pumped to win big tens like I never right? would have been like those guys are national champions. men's 5,000. Sean McGordy wins, you know upsets that field that had Fisher Knight and Andy Truard in it. men's 1500. Oliver Hoare of Wisconsin. yeah wins. Josh Kerr finishes third. And men's 800, Cerrone goes down and is beaten by Isaiah Harris. So every single distance race had a surprise. Do you have a – I guess which one was the biggest shock to you?
0: Yeah, that's tough. Um, Gosh. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean the men's five because there were like a few favorites in there and it was none of them that ended up winning. Like I guess you could say that was kind of the – like. Whereas, you know, like men's 800, you could be like, okay, well, Saruni's the favorite, but if he doesn't win, Harris is going to win. You know, so it was yeah. like, ah, I guess that's that's an upset, but not a crazy one. Um, and we even talked about that as, as a possibility. I mean, Kerr, you know, going for four straight years and, and just never loses, basically. Championships, four straight four championships. yeah, yeah. Um, Just never loses, basically. And But it's, you know, it's still the 1500. So, that race is weird.
2: Yeah. There was so much pushing and jostling and he kept trying to get out of the box i mean just wasting like a lot of energy but then he like kicked too soon almost it was really really strange race
0: yeah it was and yeah and that's you know the kind of the 1500 i guess i guess the five would be the one i choose i mean the 10 at the same time like you said it, it just i mean that was completely out of the just yeah. completely shock out of nowhere so yeah either the 10 or the five where the 15 too crazy and the eight was a was a smaller upset
2: Flanagan in the 10 came in 23rd out of 24. Wow.
0: I didn't realize it was even that on low the,
2: on the seed. And then in the five, McGordy, I mean McGordy's a good runner, but missed all of last year with like Achilles.
0: Yeah. And and that field was loaded. Problems.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Men's eight. It was cool to see Isaiah Harris. That was like the one upset I got right. So I was I was happy to see. And also, I've interviewed him a couple times this year, and like he's so on message. Every interview and his thing's always like my. He goes, my saying is anybody can be beat, and he said it even when like is running like one forty threes. right, and 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 you ask him about it, like he'll just say that thing, and he just said it enough times, and then it became true. And well, I mean, what did he do? He went one forty four right, like just like we thought.
0: Yeah, we said he was he was the metronome. Like he ran one forty four seven, basically. Yeah, you know, I expected yeah one forty four mid from him, basically. And we even says you know Saruni a little inconsistent. Um, you know he's run 143.2, so you have to be the favorite yeah. when you run that. Uh, but he runs one forty five three, just you know finishes third. Just one of those one of those things. I mean you know we, I mean we see it the eight hundred. You know it, it's pretty fairly predictable on the women's side, but the men's side outside of Rudisha, I mean you'd have like guys like Amon and Amos mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. run unbelievable times one week and then. You know, can't get out rounds sometimes, or finish sixth in a diamond league. Like it's, it, it it is an event that leads just to kind of weird results from unless you're just completely dominant.
2: Yeah, let's run through a couple more of these events. We'll start with with the women's distance. So Schweizer gets beat in the ten, but comes back and wins the five yep. in in a very dramatic race. Both of them were pretty dramatic. Both of them pretty interesting, and the the ten in particular was pretty dang fast too. Um, for a for a championship race, uh, Sharon Lockett ran thirty two oh nine to win it, and then Dorcas was C K of Louisville ran thirty two eleven, and then Schweizer was thirty two fourteen. But ba- you know, b- bounced back a couple days later, wins a five, pretty pretty big kick too. Um, so I guess that wasn't altogether too surprising. Women's fifteen, women's fifty. Oh, Jessica Hall. Of Oregon, it got loud. That's when I thought, hmm, maybe Oregon women. Last day of Hayward, in right? The mountains, this ferocious comeback, and then everything kind of went south after that. Their 15 and their five went well. Everything else was bad. Sabrina Sutherland, who was the indoor champion, she finished seventh in the in the 800. The 800 race was weird too. It was one in 204. I know the rain probably, but yeah, it was uh, Sammy Watson, one of the three freshmen, along with McLaughlin and Irby, to win high hurdles. Jasmine Camacho Quinn uh cruised and then the 200 was where things really came up for usc because angie and ellis beat gabby thomas and got 10 points and i don't like think anybody had her getting 10 points um because here's a crazy thing i was paying attention to the to the team score a little bit usc had four women entered in the high hurdles hmm. and they qualified zero to the final and i was like okay oh, wow. well they're they're not going to be like they needed points there. Like you can't, right. you can't win the meet and get zero. And you know some of, uh, at least two of them were expected to get to the final. I don't, I don't think anybody thought they were going to win because Camacho Quinn was such a big favorite. But you're like, okay, they're going to get you know, ten points out of this thing, and they got zero, and then everything turned around when they got, <laughs> when they got analysis uh, ten points in the in the two hundred. So, I don't know. men's. On the men's side, sprints, 100 or 200. Did we miss anything there? The high hurdles, Grant Holloway, one, but it was really close.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was close, slow. Um, and it was into wind and, you know, everything like that. So, you know, you don't have to take a ton out of it. But, yeah, 1342 to 1343 to 1345. So, it was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it was really close there. So, he's just proving my point that he's not the best in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, just lying in wait. He's lying in wait. He's gonna do it. <laughs> I mean Burrell won won the hundred again into a headwind. Uh, you know, 10-1-3. So
2: some of it's- first title for him. That was pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some some of the weather just didn't cooperate as far as, you know, some some really great times in certain events, but I think we got enough to, to make up for it.
2: Cool move by Burrell and Hall in the hundred. They went one-two, and they like dedicated the race to Barraza, who had just fallen in the steeple.
0: Oh, nice. I thought that was
2: yeah, that was a that was a cool move. Two hundred. Divine at a Duru ran 20, 20, 2028. I guess if you're going to Kendall Williams of Georgia got third, Georgia, Georgia men uh, pulled off the win there. Uh, overall, I guess if you're going to like script a meet, a championship meet for like maximum interest, you'd want like the sprints to be super, like you want the favorites to win in the sprints. Cause you want super fast times mm-hmm. or fast as you can hope. And then in the distance races, where you're probably not going to get fast times, the, th- the thing that's most interesting is upsets. Yeah. And the men, well, I guess the whole meet combined had had a lot of that. I mean, not every sprint was fast, but many of them were fast, and the ones that were fast were really fast. Not every distance race was a surprise, but, I mean, except for Schweizer in the five and... Um, Alley Ostrander in the steeple, like the women's 10 didn't go to, we already talked about the men's races, but mm-hmm. the, the women's 10 didn't go to plan. The women's 15 was so wide open. The women's eight didn't go to plan. So the, the, yeah, the meet was just sort of very, very high interest all around. Kintura Orgy won the triple and the long jump.
0: So that's titles number 74. And <laughs> 77. I and mean, that women's 4x4, loudest of the of the whole meet. So
2: I was only in there – I was only in the grandstand for the last day. Oh, okay. The The, the other days I was in the tent, which you know, you, you can hear and it gets kind of loud. But actually that's not true. I went out there for the men's five. I walked out there for the finish because I wanted to see it. And by that point, people weren't trickling through. Yes. For Saturday, women's – who four was the loudest. They got pretty loud for the women's 15 as well too because it was Jessica Hall yeah. of Oregon winning. Uh, but women's 4x4 was bananas. I don't know how to compare. Like, I I wouldn't try to compare it to anything at the trials just because the size of the stadium is a lot smaller, but it was deafening, and there was, like, all these people, like, just beside themselves, like, high-fiving. Because, I mean, in a way, it was like a... I'm going to get all Zach Braff on you. In a way, it was the perfect way to end... If you had to end Hayward. Right. Which, which you know my thoughts on that. <laughs> But, like, there was some – it was kind of poetic that it was a team other than Oregon that Oregon fans were – and Hayward fans were, like, going bananas for because that's, like, the whole idea of the magic of it It is, like, they cheer for anybody. They just want to see great performances. And they – the people there were so just, like, elated that they saw what they saw. Right. Like, they knew the moment they saw that, like, that is – Insanity. That's something you're not going to see every day. Like that's going to be on Sports Center tonight. And I think they were just so happy to have been there and seen it and and been a tiny part of it because they were screaming their head off for it that they were willing to overlook the fact that it wasn't Oregon or maybe it wasn't a, even a team that they normally would cheer for. But they just were so invested in an amazing performance um, the last time those bleachers would be there and in the end jason <laughs> it's about the friends we've, it's about the bleachers we knocked down <laughs> along the way
0: oh uh, that's perfect i mean i'm, I'm glad you gotta you know see one more meet and that it was one as good as this one um yeah because that's uh you know it's still a bummer and you know i'm sure we'll we'll have some emails i think that uh talk about it so what we can keep saying the same thing over and over um but uh <laughs> yeah that seems like a pretty i mean it was a pretty awesome meet to go to
2: you're not gonna convince me, people. You're not <laughs> gonna sell me on this thing. So draft results: you had uh, men's 400 first, which I think is good.
0: Feel strong about uh, that.
2: I had I had women's four. I had men's four by four second. Strong, which I'll stand. I'll stand by. No one drafted women's four by four, which would have been the it's an oversight. Ace in the hole. Your second pick was women's four hundred hurdles, which I gotta say, Jason,
0: yeah, uh, yeah.
2: probably didn't hold up. It's fair, yeah. The, the weather the
0: weather didn't do me any favors, and yes, any, I mean the other side of the hurdles, obviously did did more there.
2: Um, the men, or I was, men's five k was my second pick, which it's a good race, yeah, solid race, very compet, yeah, competitive. I don't know if it would have been four. Then you had men's eight hundred. I mean, I just love eight hundred, so I, I think that's a, that was a a good selection. I had the women's 400 and 200
0: that's with my right. sixth pick. It's pretty solid that you got that
2: so I got I got an upset for USC in the 200 and then I got, got amazing time almost collegiate record yeah. yeah in and you had men's high hurdles next at seven
0: a little little disappointing good race but just at not quite you know
2: pick number eight men's four hurdles so that's steal the draft right there that was a sleeper that was a Nick van Exel in round two <laughs> type situation that's a manu Ginobili 45th pick or whatever he was then you had men's 15 and then i closed it out with women's 5k women's 5k i think holds up as a 10th pick but yeah the, the big oversight there women's 4x4 but i think you i think you get it just on the strength of the men's uh the men's
0: 400 yeah your men the... 400 hurdles that late though that's that's definitely the, i mean that's the steal there
2: all right fine i win you <laughs> want to talk about these diamond league meets
0: uh yeah we've We're alluded gonna... to them a little bit um, well,
2: let's talk about Juan Miguel at That we have to can talk you about. E- yeah. Again, another viral track moment. A lot of <laughs> virili- virility. I don't know this how many people
0: can- came up to me and like stopped me and talked about it. It was crazy. Really? No.
2: Oh. <laughs> I wish. No, because some people did. I wish. I, I, I mean- live
0: in Las Vegas. Like, who- There's nobody who knows that name.
2: No, but it was going around the internet, so I had... Right. I, not a lot of people. Maybe I would like one person. But that seems like a lot of people talking Trump. It, it is. So, absolutely. Uh, describe the jump, if you could, if people have yet to,
0: to see it. I mean, it's – so, yeah, I mean, it's going down. And then he basically out jumps everything by so much that my first thought was there's no way that's legal. Cause like mm-hmm. you thought he was over the ball. Yeah. Just because it was like, that's too far. Like you can't, you don't, you know, like there's like where they've bike been raking and moving around the sand. And then there's like sand mm-hmm. that hasn't been touched. Like it's a d- desert Island sand that just never has been. Yeah. And then he <laughs> just lands in that. And then he kind of like knows how good his jump was obviously, because when you're flying through the air for like eight seconds, you probably get an idea about how far you flew. Yeah. Um, he kind of like rolls back a little bit and you know, I don't know if it actually affected the measurement or not. I don't, think it did um but it I, if that was my word i was like don't go back for, like what are you doing this is this is incredible well, i think
2: it i think it definitely affected it right because didn't he i mean you have to mark the farthest point back and it's like because he hit the he didn't hit the uh you know, he didn't literally jump out of the pit but i think he hit the end of it didn't he also, at least that's what it seemed like like he couldn't really fall forward because there was a cement block there
0: yeah i mean it's and it's hard like obviously i mean most long jumpers don't seem to like actually land on their feet and like stand straight up. So certainly like his yeah. butt was in the in the dirt, obviously. Um, yeah. and, but he, he kind of rolled to the side a li- and it was hard to tell from the angle. Like it certainly, it, it could have dropped off at least a few, um, you know, millimeters, centimeters. Centimetre. Yeah. I mean, yeah well, know, who knows? Um, but it was, yeah, it was hard cause he kind of rolled to the side a little bit. The only bummer, uh, of course was that it was not when legal cause it was 2.1. Um, Oof. I'm rewatching it for like the 20th time right now. Um, it's amazing yeah i mean it's it's it is legitimately like you're just like how are you doing that so yeah he kind of rolls to the side and i you know i didn't see the actual measurement so like i'm not totally sure but it could have easily cost him some which is crazy to say because he still jumped 883
2: 883 that's the farthest jump since 1995 there's i mean if it was legal it would have been a was a top six jump i believe It was legal around there, yeah, yeah. It would have been, it would have been number five actually. At eight eighty five, would have been number five. And a couple days after that, uh, in Ostrava, he did a wind legal eight sixty six, and he and it's not just like a one. So obviously, this is this is a pattern now. Yeah, he is this This good. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a one one shot wonder here. So he goes wind legal eight sixty six, but he went three times over eight fifty in that series and even 866 you look at the all-time list and you have like a random like you have a dwight phillips jump from 2009 in eugene where he went 874 but then it's like everything is from the 90s for the most part there's a there's a couple random you know 2007 and then there's mayunga who went 865 at altitude last year but by and large the entire list is carl lewis mike powell more carl lewis right a little bit of yvonne pedroso sprinkled in there some larry myricks but it's 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 heavy 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 90s uh and i'm excited just as i'm excited to usher in and welcome back the foreign hurdles i i mean you 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 look at that jump and you definitely think 895 is possible from this kid what is he 20
0: yeah, I think he's yeah either nineteen or twenty, like yeah, super young. And like you mentioned, it's it's you know obviously that was a peak jump, but he's doing eight fifties, eight sixties continuously. Um, yeah, you'd have to he think turns he turns twenty least, this year. Yeah, okay, so he's nineteen. Um, I saw, yeah, Mike Powell was in the stands and oh, in Australia, yeah, yeah, and even said like you might have to call me former world record holder soon. So like he he's buying it, you know, yeah. which is. Uh, not saying nothing i mean you you don't just throw that out there if you're the world record holder like hey this guy might might do it so um uh, yeah i hope so i mean obviously it's we don't probably uh, you know for the big uh field fans we don't talk enough about it um but when really good either good rivalries come or you know some crazy marks get thrown out there it, it definitely makes me focus that much more on the on the jumps it's all
2: about converting horizontal velocity into vertical velocity jason at the board that's what
0: my grandma always said yeah
2: and, and the penultimate step is longer, and the last step is a little shorter. Of course, you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to convert those. You're trying to get your hips up and under you. I mean, it's just basic <laughs> physics. Brandon McNeil ran 12:38 in the hurdles. We already talked about Samba and Warholm going one two. Discussed Coburn in the steeple running 909, while also putting together a how-to kit for the immediate officials. Semenya ran 157. what Eid Nasser ran 49.8. Yeah. Let's talk about Rupp and Farah in Chicago. The thing we didn't think was going to happen, though. Like, did you have anything else on the Diamond No, League?
0: no, yeah. it was. I mean, there was, as you said, some good performances um, in the Diamond Leagues. But, the, I mean, this was really about the NCAAs this week outside of those couple things. But Rupp Farah Farah uh, basically said, yeah, they, they basically said this go? was not going to happen. I mean, that was a quote yep. from, I think, both of us. Uh, yep it was don't listen it to was us. yeah never listen to us except for when you're listening to the podcast just don't actually like take anything of what we're saying seriously he- hear us but don't listen <laughs> exactly to us. uh basically it was just like because i mean it never does happen and that's why we didn't think it would happen because oh reps going back to chicago well, well farah that's probably the last place he would go he'll you know he'll go to berlin or new york before yep. he does that apparently not and i'm very happy to be wrong um as a lot of time. I'm happy to be wrong. Uh so this is this is exciting. You were you you texted me this, but then you were kind of immediately bummed <laughs> out because they have uh they're bringing back the rabbits.
2: They're bringing back the rabbits which they haven't had since what 15 maybe? 2015 is that right?
0: Yeah, I was going to say 3 years or so.
2: It's been a couple of years. And first of all, I think and I don't know Is it a coincidence that this release announcing Farah coming is in the same one where he says there's rabbits? I, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know if that was part of the condition for him coming. If it is, if he requests this, I think it's a bad move on his part. He's already run two London marathons with rabbits. If his goal is to get a medal, contend for the win in the Olympics, he needs to get championship racing experience. Without rabbits, whether the course is flat or hilly is irrelevant. I think more important is he needs to get in a race where there isn't a pace setter. So on that perspective, I think it's, uh, it's interesting, but I'm, i to read the quote here. Can I read the quote for Please. you from the race director, Kerry Pankowski who famously can't remember his quotes. Yeah. The go to Berlin quote. When people complain the first year, that the pace wasn't fast. He says, you don't like it, go to Berlin. And I thought that was the coolest thing any race director has ever said. Um, he said, the championship style of racing that spectators enjoy will continue as the race enters its final miles. Basically saying that's basically saying rabbits get tired and they can't run the whole way. <laughs> so they'll be running by themselves. The epic 2010 duel between the late wanjiru and Sigai and arguably one of the greatest finishes in any marathon in marathon history underscores the importance of tactics that still exist in flourish and pace races. Um, The release says, Pinkowski, an event organizer, decided to transition back to Pacers to leverage the speed of the course to work towards setting up ideal conditions for the top-tier elite athletes confirmed so far and to respond to feedback received from runners. Quote, we listen to the athletes and they want to come to Chicago because of our tradition of fast times and our legacy as a world record course. If athletes want to run in the race without Pacers, there are several opportunities for them to do so. Well, there's, there's two opportunities now. Right. Like real opportunities in world marathon majors. There's Boston and there's New York. And again, he was right on his first quote when he said, go to Berlin. You don't like it? You don't like it. Go to another race. There's a million races to get paced. You can run fast times without rabbits in marathons. It's been proven time and time and time and time again. All rabbits do is create an artificial setting that is, I think, counterproductive for the athletes. But more importantly, since I'm a spectator, really boring and pre-programmed for people like you and I. So while I'm very excited to see Rupp and Farah race, the announcement that they're going to put pacers in this race almost guarantees you can fast forward until the 25K or 30K mark because you know exactly what's going to happen. So I think they were right initially. I don't think this is the right move here. Saying that there's still drama late in the race Is obviously true, but that I mean, no one was disputing that. It's the it's the first twenty miles that we want to be interested in as well, and a lot of stuff. The last six miles gets set up by the fact of what goes on the first twenty. Am I? I you're not you're not bothered by this. You don't care.
0: No, I I, I'm I'm not as vehemently opposed to rabbits as you are overall. If you said, "Hey, Rupp and Fair in Chicago, rabbits or no?" I'd say no. Like I'm i'm on that yeah i'm on that board race. um i i mean i have no idea exactly like how this race gets you know how fair ends up here but i mean if you are the meat director and mo Farrah's agent presumably calls you and says hey if you put rabbits in this year's race uh you know mo Farrah will run here i think at that point like you have to go yeah all right <laughs> like i mean
2: like we've always had rabbits
0: here, uh, yeah you? so i mean i you know i don't know like i said i Probably not even what happened, but if that somehow gives you, you know, Mo Farah, who is one of the most famous marathoners in the world, um, and a very good one, and you know, potentially great one, uh, one of the greats. One yeah, the greats. I mean, but he's a huge name, um, you know, in the running community. Sure. And, and if he gives you that chance, I think you you jump at that. Um, you know, I if it was between you know, no rabbits and and no Farah. Or Rabbits with Farah? Like I'll take the Rabbits with Farah. Uh, just because Rup versus Farah is very interesting to me. And yeah, I just really want to see what happens. Because I, I mean Farah was clearly better on the track. Rupp's been more successful in the marathon thus far. Um, but I you know I still think Farah has has a really high level in them. So I, I you know I, I'm willing to make the trade off, even even though, like I said, I, I would I would take the other way just, just fine.
2: All right, let's go to email. Houseofrun Run at gmail.com is the email address. We also got a voicemail here, which we'll get to. Let's start off with Brian, the emailer formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Has given the incredible indoor championships in the outdoor season leading up to this weekend. I thought the NCAA meet would be great, but the meet exceeded my high expectations. Nearly everyone had a meet record, collegiate record, or an upset. Part of me wishes it wasn't an off year. We could see multiple medalists and even world champions. Sydney, chill out. Michael Norman, Rye Benjamin are all gold medal contenders. Then again, it's been a long year. These stars are young. They'll probably be looking forward to a nice break. Uh, Kevin, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the weather conditions in Eugene. Friday seemed like far from ideal spreading conditions, but that proved wrong time and time again. Saturday, it was easier to see from the broadcast that the conditions were rough. If the weather was better, we could have seen even more records go down. Uh, do you guys have a favorite performance? The women's four by four was awesome. The men's eight and five thousand were two of my other favorites. It was great to see McGordy get the win after having Achilles surgery a year ago and being told he'd never be the same runner again. Regards, that is Brian, the emailer for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Trick. In another life, I want to come back as a doctor who tells people they'll never do anything again, and that's like part <laughs> of my appeal. Like I get patients because I'm like the adversity
0: builder. Right. Like, I had I had a bit about that once that I tried to do that did not do very well um on stage. Well, no, and it was just basically about how like being a doctor and you're just because you do hear so many stories about people who yeah. will never run again, will never be the same again and then they overcome it and those are absolutely amazing and I do not want to take anything away from those people, but you shouldn't hear that many stories about it because like yeah. that's just says more about the doctor than the, the patient maybe yeah, i don't know yeah, exactly. but it's 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 no it, but he's i mean i'm like not trying to take anything away from mcgordy obviously they, an incredible um performance
2: no no i'm i i do not doubt that someone said it it's just like they go to like pessimism right exactly they're it's doctors so they're just, like, you'll never be able to do it i it took us 400 plus episodes for you to start a sentence with i actually have a bit about that i'm disappointed <laughs> in your case um, i mean my favorite was a four by four in terms of the weather, Saturday was one of the worst I've ever seen at Hayward. I mean, it was hailing for a while there, oh, wow. and it was a lot. It was a lot colder on Saturday than it was on Friday. Yeah, which was also something that was hampering performances—not just the rain, but just the the temperature in general. Um, if you had to pick one, what would you pick for
0: best race? Uh, yeah, women's four by four is so obviously up there. I, I'll go men's four then. I mean, it, it, I think for me it's between those two. Uh, mm. I mean there. Were, Several other really great ones, but I'm a sucker for a very fast four hundred and just when people just somehow keep well, they may not be speeding up, but somehow just like do not break form while they're running something yeah. incredible. Like always just blows my mind. And obviously that you yeah. can't watch that woman's four by four without just being completely chills. Yeah. Absolutely. Chills. Uh here's Jack
2: from Portland, by the way. We went to Portland after. Rained there, but Portland track festival. I got to see the thirty two by fifty in person. Ah, uh,
0: I'm jealous. I, you should have ran. ran. I would
2: have gotten smoked. So they they mix it up this year. It wasn't a thirty by fifty. Sorry, it was a house of run relay. It's called the house of run of relay. Of course, because they can do, they can do any combination for a mile. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. But a hundred dollars goes to the team that has the most members. So there was one Love team it. that had Love like six, sixteen, and then the winning team was North Central in Spokane, which I believe is still coached by Pat Tyson. Praise your roommate. And they're a serious cross-country team. Oh, so good. And they despite it, they decided to, to spend time and energy running the House of Run Relay. Uh, and we did like a little Facebook Live. Inter- I commentated the race. They did it 8 by 200 is how they broke it up. Uh, and then we like awarded them with the – Craig Rice, friend of the show, brought over the $100 bill and just gave them the $100 bill <laughs> as if it was like the big check. But we did a Facebook Live thing where I did an interview trackside with them. And then Craig was like – he looked at me. He's like, he, like, oh, yeah, we know each other because remember he, we met up at the beer style yeah. in Eugene. And he's like, do you want to meet the other team, the team that had the most members? And I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. And it was a, mostly a youth club. And he's like, this is Kevin. He came up with the relay. And I was like, actually, it was this guy named Ray who was really into amortization <laughs> and <laughs> correcting our marathon takes. Kids fell asleep. But anyway – High fives all around. Got a picture. I didn't get a copy of the picture, so I got to reach out to Craig and get him to send the picture because I was immediately in just a just an amazing mood despite the rain. After that, it was unbelievable.
0: That's yeah, that's fantastic. I, I definitely want to make it up there one year for this because it's yeah, it, it's amazing that there's a relay named after us. You know, do you remember the winning time offhand? Th-
2: three. I can look it up. Like it was. I mean, it was fast because those kids – I mean, they're – I think the, the guy said we could all run 28s or something like that or 26s maybe. Um, but they did real timing and there were real – team. like it was a real thing. And what was awesome is doing the in-stadium announcing, announcing was Tom Heinonen, my coach in college, and our first guest on the show.
0: That's right. So yeah. it
2: was just – it was just a, a confluence of, of feel-good factors um i'm looking at the results now so the results call it the mixed four by 402.5 because <laughs> that's how they had to categorize it so north spokane they call themselves the north spokane walking club it's so good uh 32294
0: 94 320 oof
2: man Three twenty two ninety four. 94 so they did 8 8 by 200 and the ventura tigres track club they did 413 and i think tom pointed out with hundred dollars, they got like six dollars a person. Right, and, Exactly. Uh, it was uh it was amazing. But yeah, no, so North Central High in Spokane. Well it's great too is when we had them on the Facebook Live thing, they all just wanted to shout out their Instagram handle. Which is just <laughs> it's just funny to me. Like that's they're like, I'm Timmy at Timmy twenty two at <laughs> da, 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 da. So North Central Cross Country, is it Pat I wanna say it's Pat Tyson. I could be mixing it up with another team um oh pat tyson's at gonzaga maybe he used to be at north central yeah he's gonzaga he's gonzaga's coach now that's right i knew that um but anyway a real he coached high school in 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 uh that part of washington and it's a real team like it's a real co- very competitive high school cross country team apologies for the digression but i want to make sure i got that. no i was happy um,
0: yeah i'm happy you shared that
2: I also saw Mason there, longtime listener who I met at a, a meet in L.A. when he bought me a Costco muffin. And then Matt was roaming around the infield. We must have just passed each other because I got his message late, and he had already left by the time I responded. But it was cool to cool to see um, some familiar faces out there. Anyway, back to Jack from Portland. Um, love the podcast. Two things: Who would win in a three hundred? Michael Norman or Noah Lyles? Both these guys are twenty years old. Were absolute high school phenoms and are currently the fastest in the world this year for their respective events. Norman is, I believe, the number seven all-time performer in the four hundred. I think Lyles is tenth-fastest man there in the two hundred. Who would win over three hundred meters right now? I think Norman. I mean, Norman's run a really fast two hundred this year. Was at ni- he ran nineteen eight when they
0: Yeah. So that that that's my first thought too is Norman. But I yeah, sign me up for it please because I want to do that.
2: Just no pa- no pacers. Um, two. The best feel-good story from the NCAA meet was Sean McGordy's 5K win, especially seeing as it was his last race for Stanford after surgery over a year ago. One might have expected Knight or Fisher to take this one, but McGordy had the third-best PR in the field behind Knight and Truart and a mile PR two seconds better than the rest of the field, so I don't think it's surprising he closed well off a slow early pace. His mile PR might have been faster, but, I mean, Justin Knight ran 336 this year. Justin Knight can kick, too. Uh, he says, also, it's notable that McGordy has finished second to Ed Chaz at Nationals more than any other athlete, so I think it's great he finally got this one. Said he finished second to him at Foot Locker Nationals in twenty twelve, New Balance Internationals in the two mile in twenty thirteen, NCA Indoor Nationals in the three K in twenty sixteen, and outdoor nationals in the five K in twenty sixteen. And Jack sent a second one here. And I will
0: read that. Really quick. So I was just Go ahead. googling Pat Tyson cuz I wanted to see like oh did he where did he coach beforehand. And if you google Pat Tyson the thing it says Mead
2: High School, right? Mead High School. Well,
0: the thing it says on is the side right? is Pat Tyson fictional character played by Brecken Meyer in the movie Prefontaine. No. No, he's no, a real person no. and right next to it is his Gonzaga bio. So why is fictional character coming up?
2: What else has Brecken Meyer been in?
0: Uh that guy was in a lot of things, Yeah, right? he was in uh, Clueless. He was the uh, the guy oh, on that that's right. Franklin and Bash. Um, was he Franklin or Bash? He was not Mark Paul Gossler. Um, whichever one was which, I never actually watched that show. And Road Trip, I remember that him and that as well. Did
2: you off the top of your head?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I don't. Those. Are, I mean, he might have done nothing else besides those three things, but those are the ones I remember.
2: All right, I looked it up finally. It was Mead Mead High School, where Pat Tyson coached. Okay, I really screwed this up, and all the. Eastern Washington cross-country super fans are going to unsubscribe to the podcast now because I committed blasphemy. My apologies. The kids were fast and they were very nice. Uh, Here's Jack again. A couple weeks ago you were discussing the issue of why there's an off year in the track and field championships every four years. Probably the best argument I've heard is that the largest sporting event on earth, the World Cup, overlaps with when we would have these championships, especially seeing as behind – uh, doping and keeping competition clean. One of the greatest issues we have in sport is viewership and generating interest. The global attention on the World Cup diverts a huge percentage of viewers that otherwise would be watching these championships. I'd be all for getting rid of the off year, but this is the best reason I could think, I could see for keeping it.
0: Again, that is Jack.
2: Mm. I'll let you go. I'll let you go <laughs> on this one, Jason.
0: Well, I'm not a soccer fan. I know uh, long time. I know fan probably uh, you know I, I, I would probably even say the majority of people who listen to the show are soccer fans. Seems to be a lot of crossover between. Uh, running yep. and and soccer, uh, a lot of European, yeah, and, and a lot, yeah, and a lot of European. So I'm not going, you know. Hey, I actually I don't mind the World Cup. I think that's when I'll watch soccer is once every four years. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, World Cups started like today, right? Or yeah. Yep. So yeah, by my count, hey, we're gonna be done in a few weeks. Or I don't know when it actually. It's like a month. It's like a month. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. Uh, so if we're doing this right now, and then we've got uh, World Championships sitting there in in August. That seems to measure up just right for me. Then you get both. Who, who doesn't like that? I mean,
2: or if it's in Qatar, you do it in like October. The Stanley Cup That'd competes with the
0: NBA championship every year, but the, it's still you know you get the people who like who like both. I, I and and also World Cup's on at like three in the morning, and I guess depending on where the World Championships are, they could also be at three in the morning. Um, but yeah, I wonder yeah. if any if if that I mean if that is somewhat a, a thought is like we're competing with it. I mean, there's the women's is every. You know, it was two years from now, right? And that—that's the same time as the Olympics. Is that right? Does that run concurrent? I think
2: the last women's was twenty fifteen, so it's a oh, year. Oh, so okay. Now. So I think year? they go—they go on odd oh, years. Oh, gotcha. I think, okay. Yeah. That very well may be the best reason. It's not good enough that I've heard, but it's still a terrible reason, <laughs> which goes to show you how bad of an idea it is, how monumentally stupid it is for there to be a year with no global championships. You don't not have a championship in your sport because another sport is having a bigger championship. That is terrible.
0: I agree. July 15th is the championship. Uh, is the World Cup championship match. So, yeah, we,
2: And the World Championships never start in mid-July. Yeah, so
0: we could easily get past that. So,
2: Actually, they probably have started. They probably, Olympics.
0: but it, we, we, we could work our way around it. Hey, if we have to start it later, if we have to go to Qatar every four years, again, I'll, I'll gonna gonna deal with cont- it and do it no, in September. No, we're
2: not. No, no. We're not doing that, but it's again, it's in, it's not sacred. If we're doing it in October <laughs> in 2019, we can move it back two weeks if we need to, because you don't want to compete with the world cup. You're going to lose the world cup. You know, I know that because everybody loses to the world
0: cup, <laughs> including the fans. I mean, wait, what?
2: everybody's going to lose to Elliot Kipchoge in the Berlin marathon. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're not going to start the race. Let's go to, let's go to Alex, the former mediocre sprinter says, Jason, this is directed oh, just to you. Right. I know you said you don't care about the team score until the 4 by 4 Is it that you don't care who wins as a team, don't pay attention to it during the rest of the meet, or only see it as a way to heighten the drama of the 4 by 4 If the latter, that certainly has paid off in spades <laughs> for the past two years.
0: Uh, so, to answer... Uh don't care who wins. That is absolutely true. Um, UNLV, I don't believe, has been close the past couple of years, at least. So,
2: Dude, so you're so Avital Wilson Petitje ran was the first one out in the 800. Like she almost made the final, but she's like a front runner. Jason, she, I think her best time last year was like 208, and she's now 200. Yeah, no, I watched
0: like, that the regionals. That was she ran phenomenally. Um, she's the she's the future. Like I
2: think you got to get on like board early, and you got to start like a super fan.
0: i'm i'm all for that because yeah i'm in but um overall no i don't care who wins like team wise like i you know i just and also i do not pay attention to the score at all couldn't really care less about that either uh i don't mind that it hypes up the you know the, the the four by four because that's the one time it's useful to me because like that's literally the only time i want to know what the team score is is hey is there, the li- adds, is there anything on the line? Just because yeah. Is there anything on the line? Yeah, is there anything on the line here? Like if because then I will root for something cool to happen. And it hey, that you didn't need to make that four by four more exciting than it was. But the fact that it decided the team score, something I don't genuinely care about, did make it better. Like it was still more interesting with the team score. So and hey, if if you went to a school who's actually competitive in it, or you ran for a school, certainly um who's in it, like you I have no problem. I'm not going to you know, uh, crap on anybody who does care about it. I just, it, it, It's an individual sport to me. It really doesn't make a difference.
2: Here's the problem with team scores in track and field, <clears throat> and I'll use one example that we talked about. Uh, Oregon men won the Pac-12 championships in conference. Do you know what place they finished at nationals?
0: I don't, but the way you asked that, I'm guessing pretty low.
2: Tied for 35th. They scored eight points. They had two people score. Wow. In the entire meet. So, I mean, do they have a better track team than USC, who they beat in the Pac-12 championships, finished fourth with 34 points. Stanford finished eighth with 28 points. A lot of times you're building a team for a conference championship and other schools are building them for national championships. So there's just not these common goals because it's just so much different. And I think having one person who's really good at – um, an event and can sweep a couple events Right, doesn't necessarily mean you have a good track team you're right I mean it's, we talked about this before I mean it's a round peg in a square hole it's an individual sport trying to cram itself into a team dynamic and I don't think it really works especially when you do some you know you, you start looking at it in from that perspective I mean, you could win a meet USC women are I mean they they didn't have any distance runners obviously but they had you know Women I in the hundred, the two hundred, the four hundred, the the high hurdles, the low hurdles, field events like they had a lot of coverage. But it's like last year, Georgia almost won the meet with no running events, only field events. And I think Oregon, all of Oregon's points last year, I could be wrong. Weren't they all track? Like they never, they never had an event in common. Right.
0: Yeah. So there's no. You're
2: competing against a form chart. You're competing against a form chart. It's just
0: you know. yeah. So and 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 also it doesn't hurt track and field anyway. like it's not like i'm like saying they should no, get rid of the not. team score because it, it no. doesn't affect it just it's literally just nothing like kind of pointless and it, it does occasionally make a four by four cool like that to me yeah. is is the extent of of scoring for track quite, so yeah keep it quite keep frankly, it going
2: Jason, the team score should be a <laughs> <abolished>, quite frankly <laughs> it's an embarrassment uh okay let's go to let's go to not brother colin yeah uh two basketball related questions. First, are the USC four hundred meter runners the Warriors of college track? Oof. Might be. You have the you have the sheer and utter dominance
0: of Wade Van Niekirk needs to sign there this offseason in order for that to become the case. <laughs>
2: well, so so you have Norman dominating, and I guess if you're talking about foreign hurdles too, you could talk about Benjamin the men. But then you have the pulling it out of nowhere despite a self inflicted wound quality. Right for the women's four by four, which was very warriors. It's
0: true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. I, I, I feel like they right. need some ridiculous transfer that, you know, makes them that much better.
2: Yeah. Instead of having guys go pro, they need people, more people to join on Uh second. What track and field athletes are similar to some of the players of your favorite NBA teams. So Spurs for Kevin and bulls for Jason. I'll start by stealing one from, from Kevin. Tony Parker equals Matt Tegenkamp. Oh. That's a th- that's a throwback there. Uh I'll do one for Jason. Well, Derek Rose, who's Derek Rose? It's off of Powell.
0: No. Um <laughs> I was gonna say I miss. was gonna say Johan Blake, just... actually, because okay. super high ceiling was dominant and amazing right off the bat, and now we're kinda sad the beast is gone. I mean he's not gone, yeah. but he's just not the same. I mean, Johan Blake is currently better than Derek Rose is, but you know. <laughs>
1: At
2: basketball?
0: Probably, yeah. <laughs>
2: Who's uh? I mean, is is Tim Duncan Ashton Eaton?
0: Ooh, that's not bad. That's solid. Uh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard. That could be. Well, yeah. Who, who's like super stoic but absolutely amazing? Um, it's t-
2: like the stoicism is tough. Like I was gonna say Rudisha. Okay. But then we know about his. But then we know about his Twitter
0: account. That's true. So yeah, <laughs> that kind of that hurts a little bit. But yeah, otherwise you don't really see Rudisha. Yeah, get too crazy like that. That one kind of fits. Um, Michael Jordan's Usain Bolt because he's the greatest of all time um, Nikola Miritich <laughs> Nikola Miritich who's now a Pelican uh, let's see overhyped I, Euro uh, guy who can kind of shoot the three who would that be overhyped Euro guy
2: I mean that's is that like I was going to say well this is mean is it well not anymore because she she, she deserves it now but that's, like, early, oh, year, early, early, early. right? So right? <laughs> so at early. this
0: point, uh, Miritich would have to turn into, like, a perennial all-star, like an all-NBA player. Right. Like, that's the only way yeah. that really fits, yeah.
2: Joakim Noah is Ezekiel Kemboy. Oh, is that's that right? good.
0: Yeah, that's strong. God, yeah. Joakim I mean, I mean, on the not, Bulls was so good, so fun. He,
2: he doesn't have the dominance, but I guess that one spe- – like, Kemboy had the one specific skill. What? So he, So he's Dennis brand. Rodman,
0: because Dennis Rodman was the rebounder defensive player and couldn't do anything else but was also kind of crazy i mean, oh, I mean he's never heard, what's he been up to lately? yeah i, haven't heard, I, I haven't, haven't heard of him in a long long time
2: uh jeez i'm trying to think of i guess steven jackson when he was on the spurs could be a sequel kind boy <laughs> <laughs> i love it when steven jackson was on the spurs that was a that was a great moment uh manu ginobili like beloved ageless and like
0: got more out of his skill than you would have thought
2: is he Meb? Ooh, that's not bad. He's not. I guess if we're doing European, though, that that's all right. We
0: don't. It, you, hey, I love the the you know cross racial, cross everything comparison. Big fan of it.
2: No, they got to be Wes Walker, <laughs> Jason. If they're if they're scrappy, they're five foot eight. Right. They're, they're no, I think rat. I think
0: yeah, Meb Meb and Manu. That kind of works.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think of other bulls.
0: Yeah, I mean, like there are a lot of current Bulls that, that you want to think of. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. Um,
2: Ro- who's, who, who's Robin Lopez who looked around and realized they were the best player on the team <laughs> when they were?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> oh, that was, that was one of my favorite tweets ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just have to go back to the 90s and I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. Who is Luke Longley? Um,
2: yeah, who is Luke Longley? Who who's the per- like you just plug that person in right because it was it was it was Bill Wennington it was Luke Longley Bill it Cartwright. was Scott Williams it was Bill Cartwright like who Will who's Perdue, just like yeah you, yeah
0: it was like it's like who's like a random guy who makes a four by one team or four by four team like Mike, like Rogers? Mike Rogers yeah like Mike Rogers is every white bull center from the nineties. <laughs>
2: You know you you really are bending the rules. Right? With this. Yeah, hey, like you, I'm like you, standing by it
0: though. That kind of that. I thought you were gonna say. I thought. I thought
2: you were gonna say something like thrower, who, like makes every trade, right? like some uh, another big white guy.
0: Nope, thrower. I like the cross. You know. Just weird, weird correlations. Yeah,
2: that makes that makes sense though, right? Just like you you plug him yeah. in.
0: He does his job, and you don't really does you know, gr- hear much else. But consistent.
2: Yeah, there's like great. There's greatness around them, and. Their job is like they do their job very well. Yeah, whatever whatever their job is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I, like I do like that one.
2: All right, let's go. We got two more and then a voicemail yeah. here. Um, there's and these are both about Hayward. Let's go first to uh, Martin in the UK. Yeah, and they're they they have competing takes on Hayward, so I'll I'll read them and then I will not really opine much. I promise I won't. I won't. I'll just read them because these are gonna be long to read anyway. Uh this is Martin from the UK who went to the trials in
0: sixteen. Yep, one of our favorites. And has been to and has been to gave us the Morris down, Township uh, shirts.
2: Yes, which I wore. yesterday. I wore that shirt a lot. By the way, <laughs> like that's in heavy rotation. Uh, I think I texted you one time and I said Tiger wears red on Sundays. <laughs> I wear the Morris yeah. Township shirt on Fridays. He says, last week you asked for views on Hayward changes. Well, here's my take. It comes from a Londoner's point of view who has been lucky enough to go to world championships around the world as well as going to Eugene for NCAA championships and Olympic trials. I think the fundamental question is whether Hayward should have bid for the Worlds in the first place. Keeping the existing facilities and holding world championships are not compatible. Hayward Field is a very cozy facility that is great for college meets and one-off events such as pre-classic. Peter Thompson, who had been campaigning locally to retain the East Stand, wrote in April this year about the intimacy of sitting around with your teammates in the stands. Poignant timing for me since Hayward Field was more than usually a watch with high school athletes the past two days for the Oregon Relays, five hours on Friday, and nine hours yesterday. There were 154 high schools competing and 100 more were turned away. The extra attraction this year, possibly the last time for these high school athletes to compete in historic Hayward Field. Uh, The young... Athletes asked their coach to travel for this already successful meet, and they came from Oregon, Washington, Alaska, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, even New Jersey to run, jump thrown within the hollow field. It was amazing. I had assumed quite wrongly that the young athletes of today would not be aware, or if they were aware, not give a rip about the East Grandstand and its history. It was a salutary experience learning how wrong my few appeared to be. The images I snapped yesterday, blah, 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 blah. Um, strangely for an Englishman, I don't have any nostalgia for an athletic stadium as there's nothing old, there's nothing among older athlete fans for the quote old white city, which has been closed for nearly 50 years as its successor track in London, uh, is in danger of being shut. So I don't come to this with a sense of history. I've offered my view of the layout of the field compared to international norms before. So I won't rehash that here. Jason and Martin had a good discussion about that. I remember. Yeah. Um, from my two visits, I would say about the East Stand one, the sight lines from the East Stand are poor. The pillars get in the way, and watching the athletes in the outside lanes go down the back straight is not great. Two, trying to watch a long jump and triple jump is impossible. TV coverage of these events is pretty poor, but I didn't get to see the great men's long jump at the trials. Three, the benches are fine for one day meets, even up to a four day meet, but a nine day event is very uncomfortable. If, uh, if, I think, of course, the same was true in Helsinki and the old Rome Olympic Stadium. I can well understand your skepticism of the benefits of a big, shiny stadium that provides what the IWF needs and perhaps what Phil Knight wants to put his name on. It may well end up as a white, unloved elephant, unfortunately having won, in quotes, the right to hold the world champs at Eugene. The decision to sacrifice the style and history of much of the stadium had already been made. Let's hope that the plans really do enable the stadium to operate as 10, a 10,000 seater without it feeling like it's only one third full. I look forward to being there in 2021. Hashtag firmbound2021. <laughs> Martin, always from London. P.S. I saw a piece from Ken Go saying that there aren't even 9,000 seats currently despite claims of 9,600 in attendance on day one of NCAA's. I didn't see any claims for a good turnout on day two, three, and four. I think I saw something for like 11,000 or something. And yeah, he's right. There's no, Ken Go counted the seats and there's like Mm. 8,000-something. PPS, nine lanes of the new Hayward Field. That really shouldn't be needed. Host of World Champs, but does seem to be the norm. (sighs) PPPS, track making it mainstream ESPN programs. PTI around the horn with the women's 4x4. And Will Kane showing... uh, And Will Kane... Is Will Kane... Is that a British thing? I don't know what Will Um, Kane is. Uh, Discussing the transgender rules in high school track. Uh, Again, that is Martin, always from London.
0: Oh, it's this guy. Do you want to jump yeah who is this i've seen him i've seen him like i think never like actually um all i I know though is i googled him and first take came on so it's not great but he has his own radio show the will kane show i I don't know if i've ever actually heard him speak i just like in bars when they're showing like you know all the things with like no sound on and they're just like showing the repeats like late at night or something i'll see his face so um yeah i guess he's a thing i try not to watch espn um but uh, yeah, that's okay. That's um, like I, I wanted uh, a view from. I mean, Martin is a super qualified yeah. take because he's been to like all of the world championships and he has no like ties to it. Like I, I find that it's an interesting take. I just want to. Sorry, I clicked
2: on one of these guys' videos. Yeah, <laughs> Will Kane debates Stephen A. and Max. Should Warriors trade for Anthony Davis? <laughs> God. Martin, please don't watch don't you <laughs> America has so much better to offer, <laughs> please don't do first take uh okay, so yeah, so do you want to add more to that or do you want me to read it? no go ahead and with harrison's okay i I didn't want it just because I wasn't going to go any further I didn't want it you no to, no yeah it's, you couldn't add it
0: I said I was just curious on his take among among others, so i was I was yeah interested to read it
2: it's it's almost like you gave him the first chance to have a take uh. Here's Harrison, who I still owe a shirt to. haven't forgot about it, Harrison. (laughs) Money's just tied around here. There's a podcast, he says, called 99% Invisible that talks about the design of things all around us that we normally just take for granted. A while ago, they did an episode about ballpark design that I really liked. Here's a quick summary. Stadiums in the 50s and 60s were being conveniently built in suburbs where parking was ample and were designed to be massive multi-purpose arenas for any sport to be played in. While it seemed like a smart business decision, critics started calling them, quote, concrete donuts since they were giant, ugly, impersonal, and weren't designed for any one specific sport in mind. They sucked for the athletes playing football and baseball since the stadium didn't really fit their sports playing field, and they sucked for the fans who had to sit at weird angles to the action in some drab and boring building. But in 1992, that all changed. The Baltimore Orioles opened their new Camden Yards ballpark that was built right in the heart of downtown, awkwardly wedged between the existing buildings and using old-school materials that matched the buildings around it. The architects realized that the most successful ballparks, like Wrigley Field and Fenway Park, were sandwiched in existing neighborhood and had their own unique attributes. Therefore, Camden Yards was built with the model of, quote, an old-fashioned traditional ballpark with modern amenities. The owner actually banned employees saying the word stadium and insisted they use the word ballpark instead. The new design gave the ballpark a sense of personality and belonging and attendance shot up. In just two years, they had the second highest attendance in the major leagues. That success uh, quickly caught the attention of other teams and 20 other ballparks have been built since then, every single one of them being built with their own unique design that embraces the surrounding culture and vibe without looking anything like a concrete donut. To me, this demonstrates exactly what's happening with the debate about Hayward Field. The original architect, Tinker Hatfield, ripped apart the new proposed design because it eliminates all the magic of Hayward Field. It looks state-of-the-art, but that's exactly the problem. The new design looks like it could be placed anywhere in the world and has no connection to track What does a nine-story tower have to do with Oregon? Nothing other than being named the Bowerman Towerman. Why would you build a 20-foot stone wall? That makes it feel so closed off and not part of the community. Why make this alien-looking horseshoe shape? That'll cause swirling winds for the athletes and sun and rain for the fans. Tinger Hatfield wanted to preserve the East Grandstands and keep as much of the iconic look as possible, but instead the new proposed design is just another concrete donut, except it's a shiny metal donut that costs over $200 million. So to me, this means Hayward Field is turning into Hayward Stadium. That is Harrison.
0: Man. That just got thrown into email of the year and it wasn't even funny. It was just really, really good.
2: Um uh, and 99% invisible gets a nomination for running podcast. Absolutely. I think
0: it just yeah, it's gonna probably win. Con- uh, Congrats. I guys. knew this about no. the the baseball stadiums, uh ballparks, excuse me, because like I'm obviously a huge baseball guy, and uh I think he's dead on. So I obviously I'm I'm a fan of you know what what Tinker was trying to do basically with Keeping the East Grandstand and also, like, keeping the aesthetics kind of the same. Uh, I mean, even if – I want to keep the East Grandstand. Let me make that clear first. But if you you were like, hey, it's being torn down. Get over it. I still think you could make a state-of-the-art stadium that looks like Hayward, like, that still feels the same way, even though it's bigger and has all the new amenities. Like, yeah, like you said, uh, this giant – silver you know like metal like the thing that just doesn't look like i've you know i'm not an expert on eugene i've been there once and it was well once for a week and a half and it was amazing and it like everything about it kind of fit in and there's a lot of amazing facilities obviously with ufo because they have just endless amounts of money but like still like Mm -hmm. things don't look like that proposed plan like it just it would look very very out of place and it's something i i guess really hadn't thought about until the way harrison kind of um, said this because I was just kind of on the side of hey, let's keep history going. But like, also, like, if you're gonna change it, at least st- you could still keep that feel while also, you know, updating it.
2: Cam and yards, I'll say, totally fooled me because I assumed based on the way that ballpark looked it was built in the 50s i didn't know until i read this email that it was a 90 90s thing so well and that's
0: kind of the point it was going for that kind of yeah, yeah retro like cool like you know built into the neighborhood and it and, worked and absolutely and <laughs> he's absolutely right i mean the where now so many ballparks are doing that and that's why these but you know some ballparks are most ballparks are great now where there was in the 80s so many just terrible ugly astroturf bad stadiums
2: yeah okay we got a voicemail I think it's from Chief who I'm going to see in in about a week's time. Nice. Uh, and I think he's talking about ESPN I see on on this transcript. Get that Will Kane. So hopefully he's not, not talking about Anthony Davis going to the, the Warriors. <laughs> to Anthony. Uh, not enough hours We're in the ready. day.
0: Here we go.
1: What a boys, Chief from Illinois or now Indianapolis drinking milk, Braylon. Don't know if my last message came through. It's Uh, The voicemail said that it disconnected me and said goodbye. So I'm not sure if there's something wrong with the voicemail. So if this is a duplicate, my bad. But toss-up, what was more impressive, the Sydney performance or the USC women's 4x4 performance? Uh, Michael Norman or Benjamin, which performance was more impressive? I do have a rant, so I'm going to quote Julian, and I'm pissed. The ESPN announcers were absolute garbage. For instance, in the 3K steeple chase, they just talked about how the Houston kid was going out too fast, he's going to die, and they don't know what he's doing. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's making the race. He's going for the win. He's putting it out there. How about we, we congratulate him for him actually going after it versus this sit and kick that every other men's race wants to do. I'm sorry, I'm sick of seeing the... 1,500 won in a slow time. I want to see fast times. Obviously, the track's fast. Why aren't we seeing any fast times? Oh, because nobody wants to go out. So the one time the kid does go out, for five minutes of the race, all the announcers do is bash him and saying he's going out too fast, and he's, they don't know what he's doing. And then when he goes down, they casually say, oh, it looks like the race leader's falling down. Like, get some emotion, guys. Like, get into this. This is the championships. This isn't just like a grade school meet. Pretend like you care, even if you don't. Just pretend like you care. With that, peace, boys.
0: All
2: right, that is Chief from Illinois, now from Indiana. The two toss-ups there, what did he say? Uh, Women's 4x4 are Sydney, and then Norman are...
0: Benjamin's got to be women's four by four. I mean, Sydney just—I mean, in terms of excitement, yeah, she didn't get like she didn't get a chance to really like put on a show. I mean, she did still because she's amazing in one by two seconds, but like the weather didn't permit her to run something incredible. And that women's four by four was, you know, obviously one of the most exciting races of the meet. The other one's interesting. I mean, it's you know I'm a sucker for the men's four hundred, and we you know have said so many times we we don't give the four hundred hurdles enough credit. But I mean, you have the you know second 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 now. best time ever versus you know top ten time ever. Uh, I don't know which which side are you coming down on. Well, for the actual performance, I think it's it's Benjamin just because
2: of the the stats that you cited. Yeah. But entering the race, you knew Benjamin was going to win. Whereas for Norman, even coming off that last curve, it was still pretty close, yeah. right? So you had you had. You had a much more interesting race in the in the 400 than you did in the 400 hurdles. So I, I guess it just it depends what you're what you're judging it on. But I mean, 47.0, they both were just eye popping times. But you know, 47.02 because of where it stacks up historically. But I mean, I mean, it's great Like, look at the list of people who've run faster than Michael Norman. Let me pull this up because you can say, oh yeah, it's the 12th best time of all time, but. Wade Van Niekirk, Michael Johnson, Butch Reynolds, Jeremy Warner, Quincy Watts. Like, LaShawn Merritt has not run faster. That's crazy. Than Michael Norman. Karani James has not <laughs> run faster than Michael Norman. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's to, to think about it from that perspective. You know, Van Niekirk, Johnson. Reynolds, Warner, Watts. There's only five five humans on Earth who have run faster than Michael Norman did on Friday. Yeah, there's only one who's run faster than Benjamin and one who, who's equaled it. But I guess in the in the 400, we just we talk about it more and we know the history a lot more and a lot of those people are more recent. But, I mean, think of all the 400s that Sean Merritt's done. And he's done so many 400s. <laughs> Throughout the years and he's never he's never run as fast as Norman did.
0: Yeah, that's on Yeah, yeah I guess I mean I you know, I didn't I didn't look at the list and the the fact that yeah he's ahead of LaShawn Merritt, who's you know been unbelievable since we, you know, st- started the show and before that even. Um that's yeah, that's that's really crazy. So I mean it's god, picking between those two. Um it's just not even fair. But uh four hundred hurdles, picking it over the four hundred. <laughs> also, I'll
2: say this. You know, Benjamin went from forty seven ninety eight to forty seven oh two. Norman went; his PR before this was forty four four, and he went down to forty three six. I mean, just an insane leap. I mean, Norman could win. Norman could never PR and win the next two gold medals,
0: right? Right. Yeah, if if Van. I mean, he could win in
2: nineteen. Yeah, I mean, because forty three seven, or forty three six high. I mean, anything under forty four you could still win championships with not, you know, depending on the conditions and like that, but you know, this was an athlete running like at his peak with an amazing field to push him. And at a point in his career, when he was ready for this giant leap forward, I mean, that's to drop eight tenths of a second. It's crazy. <laughs> the only thing crazier is to drop nine tenths, which is what, what Benjamin did. So, Thank you, Chief, for the, the questions. Thank you, everybody, for the emails. HouseOverrun at gmail.com if you'd like to participate in the show. Should be pretty fun. Next week, we'll record earlier in the week because I'm taking off for Des Moines. So hopefully, we'll be able to record on Tuesday next week and have it up for you by Wednesday, potentially. Does that sound it good? Sounds reasonable,
0: yeah. I like how you're kind of asking right. me as you're. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, I started a sentence and then realized I can't back out now, but I also don't want to speak for you. I should have been like, hey, Jason, so when are we going to record next week? That would have been a better way to do it.
0: No, that's – yeah, that, that's, I think I think Tuesday My will not, work. Sorry about that.
2: Okay. My apologies. My apologies. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to speak for the group there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, write in more questions, comments, men's long jump. You want to talk Chicago Marathon early, want to rehash NCAAs. We're, we're all about it. You have USA Predictions Norman's entered, Benjamin's entered, Sydney's entered, so even though there's no worlds this year, it you know, it could be just a good one off meet with some of the best Americans. So write in. Let us know. Also, NBA questions
0: are always welcome. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Alright. Thanks guys, until next week.
0: Jessica Ennis. Mike Rogers is a nineties bulls center. <laughs> That was good work. That was uh, hey, you 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 got me there.